Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, nice to be with you today. If you're new to Authentic Church, uh, we have, a, we have a, a real simple vision here. And our vision is that every time that we gather, that we would encounter God, discover community, and fulfill the call of God on our lives. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but when I have an encounter with God, when I had an encounter with God, my life transformed. And the heartbeat, the hope, is that we're taking, we're going from a corporate encounter with God on a Sunday morning like this, like we all experienced in that incredible worship. Thank you, worship team, for stewarding those moments. But we're going from an encounter with God here to daily encounters with God. And so, uh, like my wife said, with the connect groups, please get connected. Um, and uh, I, I, I think that there's just beauty that happens in community. And God does not want you to live as an orphan. Too many people are Christians, but living like orphans, and they have no sense of community. They don't have that family that they gather with. And, uh, you know, some of my family, uh, I, I see them and talk to them a few times a year. Uh, other members of my family, I talk almost every day. You're going to have different family members, part of the body of Christ, that you're going to see and talk to on a very frequent basis, and others that you're going to maybe not gel with as much, but you love them, and it's like, hey, they're part of the family, and you see them, and it's great. Our hope and our heartbeat is that every person is finding that sense of connection. Uh, so just want to remind you, Easter Sunday, like my wife said, 10 a.m. Everybody say 10 a.m. Next Sunday, and I just kind of want to give you a bit of a pro tip for inviting somebody to Easter service if that's new to you. It's super simple. Okay, here's pro tip. All right, a pro tip is just sending them a text message and saying, "Hey, where are you going to church for Easter?" All right, it's the it's the assumptive close that my our friend Sarah uh, uh, shared with us the other day. It's just, "Hey, where are you going to church for Easter?" Like assuming that they're going to go somewhere. Most people are going to church somewhere. Or they want to, but they just don't know where. So you just say, hey, where are you going to church on Easter Sunday? And they say, no, I don't, I don't know, or I'm going to this church. Oh, okay. Well, I'd love for you, if, if you're free, I'd love for you to join us. Our church meets 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, Needham Chapel. And then you can send them a link or send them parking directions or what have you. We, on that text update, if you signed up for that, that 94,000, that authentic, we actually have a link that we sent out. It'll be resent out, I believe, tomorrow um, but we'll have a link there where you can send it to them and they can even plan their visit so that they just get an automatic update. If they got kids, they can let us know how many kids are coming, which would be great because uh, our kids' classes are just like exploding right now with young families. Uh, so if you have a heartbeat for kids' ministry, welcome to Authentic Church. We would love to chat with you, okay? And so, uh, so anyway, so Easter Sunday is gonna be a great time, but that's really as simple as it is. It's just shooting them a text and saying, hey, where are you going for Easter? I'd love for you to be able to join us. So it's going to be an awesome time. I want to share with you uh, something that happened this week on Thursday and Friday night. Um, uh, some friends of ours were in town. My wife mentioned we launched Authentic Church three years ago, or we moved here three years ago to plant the church. We're about two and a half years old now. And uh, it, was, it was in uh, June of 2020, there was an edict that came down from the government where they were saying, hey you know, we're not going to have, uh, allow singing in churches anymore. And it was a really confusing and difficult time, if you remember that in 2020. 
And so, uh, and we, we, we were just meeting people. We just moved here and we had some friends. They said, hey, we're gonna do this worship night at the beach in Huntington down at Tower 20. Do you guys wanna go? Uh, we don't know how many people are gonna go, but we're just inviting people to come and worship with us on Friday night. I'm like, yes, I wanna go. And so we went down with them to Tower 20 in Huntington Beach. And there was a few people in this long haired dude that was leading worship. His name's Sean Foyt. And uh, Sean was kind of figuring out what he was going to do in life and, and uh, had just come off of not winning a congressional race that he ran for in Northern California. And so he came down and as a, as a friend of our friends, he led worship with us and, and it just began to explode. And so that Friday night turned into another Friday night, turned into another Friday night. Six weeks later, thousands of people coming, baptisms like crazy, like it was bananas. That launched Authentic Church. So fast forward, our friends, Parker and Jesse Green, that were the ones that invited us to this, they, they kind of coined that, hey, this is, we're calling this saturate. We want to be saturated with the presence of God. We want to saturate this region with the presence of God. So they said, hey, uh, we're going to come back into town, into Orange County. We want to do something at Huntington Beach. And, uh, and so they, they got a tent and they had people come. And I just want to show you a few photos of what happened on Thursday and Friday night. So this is the, the big tent. This was near Tower 7. So we were more near the south area of the state beach. And so a bunch of people just gathered there. Worship went on, and then my buddy Parker literally got up and gave the most basic Billy Graham-esque uh, presentation of the gospel. Like Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're not right with God and you know it, then you need to repent and be baptized. Uh, it wasn't a prayer that was prayed in Acts chapter 2, if you want to study this out. There was no prayer that was prayed. They actually did something rather than just praying a quiet prayer and going back into their home. No, they actually did something and came forward and were baptized. So he, part, my buddy Parker says, you know, you, if that's you and you need to repent and be baptized, then today is your day. You need to go be water baptized. And, and you need to walk this thing out. And we're going to be here with you. So let's all go down to the water. So we just all started walking down. And it was freezing cold, mind you, on Thursday night. It's like, you know, 50 degrees, maybe, and the wind is blowing. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm almighty man of faith. I'm thinking, is anybody coming to get baptized? Like, it's freezing cold out here right now, you know? And uh, sure enough, that night, there's 20 people that got baptized. And so we have some pictures of it. Like, what in the world? Like what, like what in the world? Like these people are getting baptized and the kind of the quote of the evening is, hey, I know it's cold outside, but hell is hot. And you would rather be cold in the waters today than spend eternity in the hot fires of hell. So come and be baptized. And so people started becoming, getting baptized and uh, prayed over. Uh, that's Jessie there. She's in the water and uh, helping baptize people. It was just awesome. I don't know if we have a couple more photos. Um, there's my son River there in the prayer group praying with people, another guy that's on their team baptizing people. Anyways, it was just an awesome thing to see, but that, I, I want to encourage us with showing us this, like this is why we are here. Like none of us are here to be spectators and be like, that's awesome. No, no, we want to be participators, right? I'm like, you know, at some point in your Christianity, you got to go, I want to get in the game. Like I don't want to sit on the sidelines like and just read about it. I want to live it right? I don't want to watch it. I want to do it. I want, I want to take part in it. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be in the thralls of it. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're here in Authentic Church and that's your heartbeat, that's our heartbeat. And we want to see you fulfill all that God has on your life, which goes back to our vision. Encounter God, discover community, and fulfill the call of God in your life. There's something that's so beautiful that God placed inside of you. And our hope and our heartbeat is that we're able to help 
kind of excavate and pull out that gold that's inside of you and see you shine for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yeah, in total, yeah. Thank you, Fawn. Uh, so there was a total between the two nights, there was 70 baptisms. And uh, I met a guy on Friday night uh, after baptism, prayed with him, etc. I'm like, where are you from? He's like, Paso Robles. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you drove down? He goes, yeah, I got off work early. I just saw, I just felt like, man, I just needed to encounter God. I don't know. And another couple, the whole family came down from Victorville on a Friday night, right? And we talk about like, uh, I don't know, it's traffic, it's raining, it's like 20 minutes to church today, <laughs> you know. But these people are so hungry, they're coming from Victorville to like just encounter. The, I believe that there's a growing hunger and a thirst in the people of God to really encounter him. Whew. So this morning after that, I feel like I'm ready to be shot out of a cannon. So I hope, I hope you're ready to rock and roll in the Word of God. Today is Palm Sunday. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, um, Palm Sunday is, it's, it's, it's a Sunday before Jesus was riding into the city. It was the triumphal entry where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem for the last time before his death, burial, and resurrection. How many know he's going to come to Jerusalem again, and he won't be riding on a donkey. He'll be on a horse at that point. But the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell this story that we're going to unpack today. And I'm going to read from the gospel of John, and then I'm also going to share from the gospel of Matthew, and, and just unpack some perspectives that I believe the Holy Spirit has for us. So if you have your Bibles, you can kind of bookend two different areas. We'll be in, in John chapter 12 and then in Matthew 21. So John chapter 12, Matthew 21. And if you're new to the Bible, there's four accounts. And somebody might say, well, why do we have four different accounts of Jesus? It's because the Lord uh, inspired four different men to write for four different audiences. So like the book of Matthew, Okay, if you read through the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew is primarily written to a Jewish audience, right? That's why he goes through and he gives that massive genealogy at the beginning, right? The book of, uh, the book of Mark, the book of Mark's written to the Roman audience primarily. So you're kind of getting the footnotes. It's kind of like, I like the book of Mark because it's like, and then this happened, and then that happened, and then he went here, and then he did that. And then you have the book of Luke. Luke was written to a more broad Gentile uh, audience, and then you have the book of John. Now, the book of the, the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are known, uh, the, the theologians had tagged it the synoptic gospels. And synoptic means to uh, see together. So it's like they're, 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 they're together. So they tell the similar stories and share similar information and kind of in the same order. But then you get to the gospel of John. Now, the whole focus of the gospel of John is to really share the deity of Christ. Like he is God. And you can say Jesus is a prophet, nobody gets upset. You can say Jesus was a great teacher, nobody gets upset. You say Jesus is God, and some religious people start twitching at that. Like they just can't, they can't wrap, it's, it's, his name is offensive to some people when you say Jesus is God. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, people would experience a miracle, they'd experience a healing or what have you, and what would Jesus do? He would, would he tell them to like, hey, share this with all your friends on Facebook? No, no, no. He was like, hey, keep this quiet for now. I want you to go present yourself to the priest, but I want you overall to keep this quiet. But then on this day, on this account, he was like, 
Hosanna. He welcomed the praises. He welcomed the praises when they were laying down the branches and they're calling him God. He's welcoming it. It's like pop the top off of that. This is like, you know, the paid ads on Facebook and Instagram times a thousand, right? I mean, it's just like an explosion that's happening. So I want to, I'm going to pray for uh, the reading of the word of God, and then we're going to jump into it. By the way, it's always a good idea before you read your Bible (laughs) to pray. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So let's invite him to lead us into all truth today. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive. It's living. It's a light for our path. You show us where to go in the dark places. And uh, God, your word brings light. And so God, we ask that you would just breathe on your word today. God, I pray that you give us minds to understand. In Jesus' name, we bind any spirit, any attack of the enemy against our minds and against our gathering today. And we just declare that the Lord is going to have his way. And so we yield to you. God, we say, touch our minds. Give us revelation today. Touch our hearts, God, that we would have faith to believe you at your word. Come and meet with us. Speak to us in your word today, God. Nobody came to hear a man speak. We all came to hear you speak. So God, I pray that you would speak right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so John chapter 12, we're gonna read through this, and then we're gonna jump into Matthew chapter 21. So John chapter 12, if you don't have a Bible, totally cool. We got a big giant Bible on the screen over here uh, that you'll be able to read along with. So John chapter 12, let's read. Six days before Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Always a good idea. If you, somebody raises you from a dead, you know, give him, throw him a dinner. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only account of him, but they also want to see the dead guy, Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, this is where we get Palm Sunday from, And they went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it was written, fear not, daughter of Zion, I'm coming to you. Now we're going to just, so that's, that's John. He's kind of setting the table for you, sharing a little bit of the background and notice how he's being anointed. He's being like, there's, there's kingly and priestly preparations that are being made in what we just read. Now we're going to jump into Matthew and I'm going to share with you Matthew's gospel. And this again, Matt, the gospel is Matt. Matthew was primarily written to the Jews. So what Matthew's about to share speaks volumes to the Jewish people. Okay. Now, when they drew near, this is Matthew 21, verse 1. 
Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on and, and put them on and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and they cut others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, just like we just sang today. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So I just want to give you a little bit of the backstory of Palm Sunday. So leading up to this moment, uh, Jesus had a massive schedule of ministry. Uh, he healed the blind. He cured 10 lepers. He ate dinner with that uh, little tax collector guy, Zacchaeus, right? Uh, he, he taught about the good shepherd. And he revealed to his disciples for the third time that he would soon be crucified, that this was coming. And then at Bethany, a town that's just about two miles east of Jerusalem, it's known as a Sabbath day's journey. It's close enough you could do it on the Sabbath. Then at Bethany, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Not a bad week. <laughs> and the crowds gathered there, right? And so a lot of them were coming to see Lazarus because they were originally coming because they heard word, Lazarus is dead, okay? So it takes Jesus a few days before he finally comes, if you recall the story, right? And, and, and then they're like, Jesus, if you only came sooner. Well, I kind of think Jesus had a plan. He was waiting for the crowds to get there because he was going to show them something that was going to speak of his future death and resurrection. And so Jesus finally goes there, and he raises Lazarus from the dead, and then he goes and he's ministering in some different places, and, and what began with weeping ends up turning to worship and praise. Some of you are here today. Please hear me. There's things that have gone on in your world, maybe even this week, and you've been in a time of weeping. I'm telling you, if you can turn that to worship, you're welcoming the king to join you in that moment in a beautiful way. And so there's thousands of people that are flocking to Jerusalem because it's Passover, so they're all coming there, and as they're coming, some of them are hearing, this guy Lazarus is dead, but he's not dead anymore. Jesus, that prophet, that crazy rabbi, he raised him from the dead. And they're like, what? So they go and they start some of their fixings and different things. They got plenty of days to prepare for Passover. So they get settled in their homes or wherever they're staying. And then they go out to Bethany to go and see Jesus. And they're seeing Lazarus. And he's sharing his testimony. He's like, yeah, I, I mean, I died. And, and then I rose from the dead. And I, I I don't know how to explain it. And, and so, you know, we have this scene. And, and Jesus and his disciples, they did just, if you follow and trace their, 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 their journeys on that particular week, they were coming up 
from Jericho and you come up from Jericho and it's Jericho kind of, it's, it's, a, it's a city that kind of sits down in a, in a valley. And so you walk up this hill to come up to Jerusalem. And so they're at Jericho and they, they're, you know, Jesus heals the blind men there and, and, and Jericho, if you've ever been there, they got the most beautiful palm trees, but it almost feels like you're driving up to an oasis when you see Jericho and so, you know, up above the Dead Sea and you come up there and it's like, there's this oasis of, of all these palm trees and everything. And a lot of affluent people lived in Jericho and because of the affluence, it actually brought a lot of beggars to come and beg. And because of that, a lot of six people would come. So they would sit and beg waiting for the rich people in Newport to come to their houses and as they were driving to their home at the, you know, up above Corona Del Mar, they're saying, will you help me? And so they, they, that's not really what happened, but you're following me. Okay. And so there's all these sick people there. So it's a perfect place for Jesus to go because he's just like healing, healing, <laughs> right? So Jesus heals these guys. He's coming up from Jericho. Jericho was the first city, if you remember, when Joshua led the children of Israel out of captivity. What was the first city that they conquered? Jericho. How did they conquer it? With with swords and spears and clubs and force and might? No, they, they conquered it with worship, with worship. And so Jesus is going there and he's about to be worshiped like few have. And so he's he come through Jericho and they make their way into Bethany. And then he's having the dinner party with Lazarus and Mary and Martha's there. And then people start arriving and they're hearing about Jesus. And the story, the news, it begins to spread. And so Jesus tells them, yeah, I want you to go and get a donkey for me. I, I, go into the town. It's going to be ready. Nobody, it's not going to be any challenge. Just go and get that. I want you to, to bring it here. Bethany means house of figs. They used figs for healing. They used food, figs for, for health and strength in your body. And Jesus is there, and he's bringing healing, health, and strength to a people that needed it so, so desperately. You, you saw those images on the beach? People are getting baptized because they're needing, they're needing healing and strength in a right relationship with God that does not come by any other way than saying yes and surrendering everything to him. And so Jesus goes to the house of figs in Bethany, raises Lazarus from the dead. He's back there. They're having a dinner party. All these people start coming out. And if you recall, when they were leaving, there was, there was, a, there was, a, there was a scene that you see in, in, in the Gospel of Mark where he says that Jesus is going to pick a fig from one of the fig trees, if you remember this, right? And he's looking, and there's leafy branches, but there's no figs. Mark actually says it's not the season for figs. So he throws that in there. So why Jesus is looking for a fig when it's not the season for a fig, there's that, I mean, that's a whole other message to unpack at a different day, but he does it to prove a point in the fact that he's, he's showing that you were designed to bear fruit. He's using it as a symbol, like he often did. You were designed to bear fruit. And, and, and it's a symbol to us. In John 15, 2, I think we have it, uh, Jesus said this, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I had people that would be like, I'm praying God to prune me. I'm like, brother, 
if you're doing his work, he's going to prune you. I don't know that I would pray that prayer. You know, it's like, I don't pray for patience. I, I'm just, I'm not, I don't pray for patience because as soon as I pray for patience, like I, in, in my 20 plus years of walking with the Lord, then the Lord brought me the worst difficult people in the world to deal with. And I had to be the most patient human being, right? You know, it's like, you know, if, if, if you need patience, get married and have kids. Okay. You're going right? to, all the parents are like, yes, I need patience, right? Yeah. But something that's designed to bear fruit that's not bearing fruit, if it's not bearing fruit in our life, it becomes cursed. So you might have an aspect of your life, a gifting, a talent, an anointing, a calling, something that you see that people don't necessarily see. If you don't use that for the kingdom of God, you're literally allowing that to be a curse in your life. I know people that are so gifted to be generous and massive givers, and because of that, they have anointing to create incredible wealth, but that wealth has become a curse on their lives because they feel entrapped by all the wealth that God gave them and blessed them because they have a gift that's on their life, and those gifts are irrevocable. And so what was designed to be a blessing to them and really through them, now is it's, it's like it's become a curse to their lives. And so God's given you giftings, talents, ability, and he designed you and I to bear fruit. So here they are in Bethany, and the group stops there. They're there for a few days. They're hanging out uh, in Bethany. Lazarus isn't dead anymore, so that's a party. That's awesome. They're having the dinner. Mary's uh, worshiping. Martha's working. Lazarus, it says he's just reclining with Jesus. So he's like, dude, I got nothing going on today. Like, I'm alive. Like, he's just like, chilling. He's just enjoying it, right? And then comes the day for Jesus to ride into the city. And he says, go get me a donkey. Like, that thought to you and I in the natural would seem so foolish. A donkey? Like, back in the day, the conquering kings never rode on donkeys. Conquering kings, they rode in on war horses. Commanders and generals would have horses that were 12 to 14 hands high, Kings want their horses even higher than their generals and their commanders. They want you to see. When you're riding into war, into a battle, man, you're riding in on a war horse. You're not riding in on a donkey. This shows the humble king, Jesus, coming into our lives. It's a message of the gospel. You know, if a king rode a donkey into a battle, what's going to happen? He's going to get slaughtered, right? And, and, and not to be, you know, gruesome, but Jesus was the conquering king that chose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem to be slaughtered. Like he was laying down his life. In that moment, when he gets out on that donkey, in that moment, he's showing you, I'm coming as a humble king. I'm coming to give my life. And I, I'm, I'm volunteering my life, I'm, I'm, I know I'm gonna be slaughtered. Like he knew this day was coming. And so he gets on this. And, it, and when he did this, in this moment, he fulfilled a prophecy from the prophet Zechariah 516 years before Jesus was born. This guy, Zechariah, prophesied this in Zechariah 9.9. He says, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation in he. This is all about Jesus. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Zechariah, he's, yeah, he's a prophet during the post-exilic um, era. Uh, and so uh, the, the children of Israel, they had, 
They had fallen into sin. They had gone into exile. This is under King Darius I, and then also under the, around the same time as the prophet Haggai. And so Zechariah, Haggai's uh, focus was like rebuilding. Um, and, and Zechariah's focus, his main message was repent and renew your covenant. And so Jesus fulfills the prophecy from the guy that said, repent and renew your covenant, Zechariah, who prophesied this 516 years before Christ. Jesus comes riding on this donkey, fulfilling this covenant with the same message, repent and renew your covenant. And you and I, we have a choice every day when you, when you fail, we don't always get it right. Hopefully we fall forward, I like to say, right? You have a chance in that moment to just go, I missed, I whiffed, but today I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm going to renew my covenant with you, Lord. Like Zechariah's message, when you read, if you read the book of Zechariah, you read it all, it's 14 chapters. When you read it, there's just such a cry and a call. Zechariah is like, you guys don't understand. If you don't repent and renew your covenant, you're going to fall back into exile just as your parents, grandparents, great, 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 like our, our whole lineage. Every, they did not repent and renew their covenant. That's why they ended up in exile. Like, put down your shovel. <laughs> repent. Renew your covenant. Some of you in today, you just need to put down your shovel. What's your shovel? It's whatever's digging you into that hole. Could be a relationship. It could be whatever you have on your phone. It could be something going on in your personal life that you don't want to share with. Put down your shovel. Whatever you're using to help yourself dig that hole, he's saying, I want you to drop that shovel. Renew your covenant with the Lord. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Salvation is found in no other. So Jesus does this and he presents the gospel. And this is God's plan all along. John 3, 16 and 17. Don't just stop at John 3, 16. Read 17 as well. John 3, 16 says this. For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever, yes, whoever, the murderer, yes, whoever. The adulterer, yes, whoever. The liar, the cheater, the swindler, yes, whoever. The, 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 the mom that's just trying to put one foot in front of, yes, whoever calls, the, the, the dad that just totally blew up at his kids, yes, whoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send him here to condemn you and shame you and make you feel like you're less than. No, he came to save the world through him. He wants to lift you up. Some people have this thing, like, have you ever heard this? I'll go to church when I kind of clean up my life. Like, I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to in the course of planting authentic church. They're like, man, you're, you're great. I like you. I, I, I don't know about God. Or I don't really know about church. But once I clean up my life, then I'll come. It's like, that's, you missed the whole point, bro. Like, I mean, like, you know, none of us come clean. None of us. None of us come clean. In fact, if you go back to that scene in Bethany where Mary is opening, and she's worshiping at the feet of Jesus, you can spot the religious person in every room because they don't want to worship. And they don't know how costly it was for her to pour that out. You don't know how costly it was for Sarah to lead worship today. 
for Matt to lead worship, for Isaac to lead, for Mark to lead us in worship. Like you, the, the level of our worship is in direct proportion to the level of our revelation of who God is and honoring from what he's done in our lives. So for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Like I made a decision a long time ago. I'm never gonna cheer for my Seahawks. I'm a Seattle fan, sorry, if that bums you out. Uh, I'm never gonna cheer for my Seahawks louder than I'm gonna cheer for God. I will never lift my voice and sing a song on the radio louder than I'm gonna sing a song of worship to my God. I'm, I want my kids to see, they, whatever, dad was passionate and full of zeal for the things of God. And it's not an emotional thing. It's zeal, it's a heart, it's passion because I'm a man who's been set free. I was a single dad when I was 20 years old. Had a child outside of wedlock, raised in a great home, great family, and honestly, I felt shame. I felt embarrassed, I felt like I blew it, I felt like my life is never gonna be all right. I've totally screwed up. I'm just throw all of my hopes and my cares for the next 60, 70, 80 years of my life out the window because of this moment. And God met me. He met me in that moment. And so we have a child outside of wedlock and I'm putting one foot in front of the other trying to figure out what I'm gonna do. And there was a hunger in my heart to know God. Like when you have a child, you never know responsibility. You never feel the weight of it until you have a child. I felt the weight of it. <laughs> it was heavy. And I knew in that moment I could choose to either be a loser, deadbeat dad, or I could step up and be the dad that I know God call, would call me to be. And so it wasn't the perfect scenario, and it was messy, 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 messy. <laughs> but I decided, you know what, I'm going to step up. And I said yes to Jesus. I said, I don't understand everything. It does not all make sense. But right now, I'm repenting, and I'm going to renew this covenant that you want to have in my life. And I'm saying yes to what you have. And every one of us gets confronted at some point in our lives, like these people who sing in Hosanna, and waving palm branches, every one of us will get confronted with this question. Are you going to crown him king or are you going to crucify him? Am I going to crown you king or am I going to crucify you? Like, like we talked this morning in our uh, huddle about tithing. Am I crowning him king and saying, God, I'm going to honor you with the first 10% which is more of a transaction between me and God than it is with any church. But I'm gonna honor you first. I'm gonna crown you king. Or I could choose to crown Target king or Macy's king or Disney king or whoever and put them first. And I could crucify the blessing that God wants to give me in my finances. Um, in relationships, am I gonna submit those relationships, those friendships and crown him king? Am I gonna submit... Uh, maybe somebody that you're attracted to if you're single, are you going to fully submit that to relationship to God and say, I crown you king, Lord. I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you in this moment anyway. Or are you going to crucify Jesus? I'm going to do my own thing. And then you crucify the blessing that God has for your life. Every time that you crown him king, you receive the blessing of walking obedience. Every time you crucify him, you receive the feeling, the guilt, the shame that comes with disobedience. God wants you to walk in obedience, he, like Zechariah, right? Renew and repent, right? Restore that covenant. So Jesus comes as the humble king. When Jesus was who they wanted him to be, what'd they do? They crowned him king. 
Yay, Jesus, you're going to go in there and you're going to overthrow Rome. We're going to get our country back. We got the temple. We got this, that, and the other. Jesus says, no, I'm not, I'm not riding in on a war horse. I'm not coming in to do battle against them in the physical. I'm coming here to do battle once and for all of the assault of sin on your life. What you need is far more than the physical. You need healing and freedom in the spiritual. So he's coming on a donkey, this humble king, which is almost laughable if you read and you read the story and you look at the size of the donkey and the fold that he came. It's like, it's like, like it'd be like a grown adult. You ever seen those grown adults that ride a little BMX bike? <laughs> Sorry if that's you, buddy. <laughs> but <laughs> if you see a grown adult riding a kid's bike, like it's kind of almost like laughable, right? Like a buddy of mine, uh, he has these dirt bikes and uh, his kids were out ripping and riding in the field and so, uh, and so, and, and it was sturdy enough. It was strong enough to hold a guy my size. And so I thought it would be funny to jump on and ride with my buddy's kids and stuff. And so I'm uncle Jeff, I'm the fun uncle to them, you know? So I jump on the, I jump on the dirt bike and we're just, and we're ripping around and dude, I lost control of that stupid thing, you know? And I looked like an idiot, like, you know, barely almost dumping it in the middle of a field, you know, I, I wasn't awesome on a bike like Sarah and Bernard were when they started dating, you know? Uh, so I'm on this dirt bike and almost like dump it. I mean, just look foolish, right? Jesus, when he's on this foal, his feet were most likely, the colt, the, the little fowl, it was probably small enough where he could even drag his feet. Like laughable. Ha, ha, ha. And they're shouting, Hosanna. You know, the king of Israel. I mean, it's like, and Jesus is coming saying, I'm not coming the way you think I'm coming. I'm coming with this message of peace. I'm coming in humility. I'm coming in grace. I'm coming in mercy. I'm coming in love. I'm going to have uh, the worship team join me up front as we close. When Jesus was who they, need, they wanted him to be, they crowned him king. But when he was who they needed him to be, they crucified him. They crucified him. And today, I just wonder how many of us, if we're honest in the room, today, I just wonder how many of us have really crowned him king. Is there any area of our lives where we've maybe crucified him? Where we didn't fully crown him king? And if that's you, you just repent. So Father, we just ask you to speak to us right now as we close this time together. God, is there any area of our lives where we've not crowned you king? Is there any area of our life where we need to submit to your lordship of your rule and of your reign? God, is there any areas of our lives where we've crucified you? God, in those areas, would you forgive us? Forgive us, Lord. We crown you king today. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning and that your arm is not short. Your arm stretches out and reaches to us and saves, delivers, heals, makes whole. Matthew 27, it says this. Pilate is faced with this question. He's confronted with the reality of Jesus 
He's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this guy. His wife's like, do not do anything with this man. So he asked the crowd, he said, what do you think I should do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shout back, crucify him. When they were who they, he, they wanted him to be, they crowned him king. When he was who they needed him to be, like he didn't overthrow, he didn't do all the things, he didn't get them the good job, he might not have got them the relationship in the ring, he, he might not have answered their prayers and here, 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 and, they, and he wasn't who they wanted him to be. They crucified him. So Pilate's like, what crime has he committed? Like nothing. But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Like what a sad, horrific day in history when you had the opportunity to stand up and say, Jesus, I crown you king. But instead you shouted, crucify him. We may not shout it with our words, but we shout it with decisions that we make. So if you're here today and you're faced with that, what do you do? Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up to the early church sharing a simple gospel message. He tells them two things for two reasons. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgive- in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. Repent be baptized. Kind of sounds like the message of Zechariah. Repent and renew your covenant. Baptism is where you say yes to everything to the Lordship of Jesus. And if you need to be baptized, if that's the next step of your spiritual journey, we want to walk with you in that. So our custom on Sunday mornings is we always end with prayer. And if you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. Jesus, after he goes into the city, the first thing he does, he restores prayer to the temple. There's power in prayer. He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. So we don't want to talk about it, sing about it. We want to pray about it. Amen? So if you're here today and you're making Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you want to, it's very simple. Romans 10.9 says this, that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here today and you need to confess that, just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you died, that you were buried, that you rose again. I believe that you were the Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I crown you king again today. I crown you king. I don't want to rush this moment, but I just want to encourage you. You are forgiven. Like you are forgiven right now. Anything and everything. If you prayed that from a heartfelt prayer, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. The greatest words that you could ever hear. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. So get back up. Get back up. Do something with the life that God gave you. Decide, you know what? I'm going to be a voice, and I'm not going to say crucify him. I'm going to crown him king. 
I, I'm, I'm going to be a voice. I'm going to invite somebody to come to church with me on Easter. I'm going to be a voice. I'm going to get involved in a connect group that's gathering today and Tuesday and Thursday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a decision. I'm going to say yes to the plans and purposes of God. I'm not going to run from community. I'm going to run to community. Amen? Let's all stand together today. I'm going to have the prayer team join us up front. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close. And if you'd like to stay for some ministry time or prayer or worship, Sarah and the team is going to continue to lead us in worship. But if you need prayer for anything going on in your life, anything, if there's something coming to your mind right now, then you need prayer. (laughs) Then come up front. Anything that you need in prayer. Blessed are the weak, right? Jesus says, when, when we're weak, we're strong. So when you come and you just say, Lord, I need your help, he's like, I'm here to help you. When you try to do it on your own, you're crucifying him. Let's crown him king today. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to dismiss the service and then open up the front for prayer for anybody that would like ongoing prayer. We're here for you. God, I thank you for these incredible people that you've gathered together in this building on this beautiful Sunday. I pray, God, that this week that we would crown you king in decisions that we make, in challenges we face. God, we just declare you're king. And we don't understand it all, and you're God, and we are not, and we yield to whatever you want to do in our lives, in our career, in our relationship, in our finances, in our families. We say yes to you. And God, we crown you king. So come and have your way fresh in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.